Hi, this is Charles Maxwood, and I've been asked more times than I can count, how do I stay current? There's a lot to this question, and I'm working on a solution, code badges. That's right, you heard me right. Basically, the idea is, is that you come and do a code badge, and that gets you an introduction to a topic. Then you can decide if you want to pursue it further. But while working on the badge, you gain enough proficiency to be able to pick it up again if you need. A lot of technology comes through on the bleeding edge, and not all of it sticks, but the principles do. So doing badges on the technologies that will get you ahead will provide you with experience needed to stay competitive. Plus, it offers social proof that you know something about the topic. The project is on Kickstarter right now. You can support it and get on the launch list at codebadge.org. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Steve Edwards. Steve, do you hey, Jack. Good to be here. Yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely good to be here. Yeah, you reminded me that we had exchanged emails in the past, and you're one of the reasons we got Travis Tidwell from Form.io on. And yeah, so uh, I appreciate the contributions and the feedback. I, I love hearing from people. Hey, can you get this guest? Or hey, can you fix this? Hey, I'd like this. You know, and I, I get it from all quarters. I heard on Twitter today from Brendan, Brendan Ike. He's looking for the transcript from his episode. So I got to get that fixed. But uh, yeah, you know, wherever it comes from, it's just good to hear. Hey, you know, I'd really like to hear more about this. Or I think people would benefit from that. So I appreciate that. Good. I'm glad it helped. Yeah. So you want to give us just a brief introduction, who you are, where you work? Sure. My name is Steve Edwards. I'm a website developer. Uh, I live here in uh, the Portland, Oregon area. Currently, I work for a very large corporation called Flute Corporation. We make a lot of uh, testing and calibration uh, industrial equipment, and we're growing all the time, buying new people, but we're a pretty huge international, Mm -hmm. multinational corporation. I uh, got a wife, uh, three kids, and volunteer firefighter, and and that's about it. That's the, in a nutshell. Gotcha. Yeah. So how long have you been doing this? I started in IT in about uh, 1995. Uh-huh. And then, you know, started out doing uh, tech support for a banking software company and worked my way into being a developer uh, over the years through various circumstances. Mm-hmm. Very cool. How, how did you get into software development? So I did do a little bit of, I can remember the Commodore 64 in our science class in high school and the basic and doing, you know, a little piddly stuff like a for loop that says, Matt's, Matt's an idiot, <laughs> you know, making it print over and over on the screen. <laughs> that was about it. Um, there really wasn't much back then in terms of uh, computer classes. Uh, in college, I took a class on basic. And then my senior year, I took a class on Turbo Pascal. And so I did a little programming there. And that was hard. I, I laugh now because I do a lot of PHP and deal with arrays. And arrays just gave me fits in that class for some reason. I barely scraped by with like a C. <laughs> right. After college, I was supposed to get married at the time. And I was looking for a job. Didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd been thinking finance. Uh, my dad worked for Merrill Lynch at the time. And uh-huh. just really had never nailed down what I wanted to do. And so my wife said, hey, this lady at work, her husband works for Bank of America. Why don't you call them? And they were brand new into the state of Oregon at the time. Okay. Uh, 90, 91, they had just bought out a big uh, savings and loan here. And so I called this guy and said, hey, somebody said to call you, I'm looking for a job. Well, it turned out he's the senior VP of operations for the entire bank. And I had no clue who he was. <laughs> he said, okay, let me put you in touch with somebody. So I got a job as uh, what was called the manager of branch operations trainee. So I was uh-huh. the first one in the state. And one of the things that I got put on right away was to help roll out B of A's new system into Oregon. It was a whole new teller system and and mainframe system. Right. So I got to travel around the state and teach 
uh, put together classes. How does this system work? Put together the class and then teach tellers how to do it. Mm -hmm. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And so eventually I got into my banking job and, and it took me a couple of years to realize I didn't really want to be doing this. But one of the things I'd like to do was teach people how to use our computer systems because I can pick it up. And, and right. fun. so I left there after about three years and eventually got a job doing software support for a banking software company. Uh-huh. Uh, they were at the time they were based here in Portland. And I laugh now because my, the extent of my computer knowledge at the time was to sign into Windows and use a word processing program. That was it. And they hired me to do tech support. Today, I don't think I could have got that job. <laughs> I really couldn't. But what got me the job was my banking software experience and I knew the, the mainframe systems. Right. And so what I did was uh, we, were, we wrote what was called interfaces, which is sort of a generic term. But we would take data from our PC-based banking applications and transfer them to mainframe systems. So IBM AS400s, 3270s, uh, Unix boxes, and so on. And I I dealt with a host that used AS400, so I got to know AS400s pretty well. So at the same time, I was I was a diehard racquetball player for a lot of years, played tournament racquetball, and, and was on our board of directors for the state organization. And uh, there was somebody who was maintaining a real basic web page for the high school league using front page. And he was leaving and they knew that I wanted to, uh, I could do computer stuff. And so they said, hey, do you want to take this over? I said, sure. So I've been using, you know, very first iterations of front page to create this basic website and put some <laughs> manually. And it's painful just thinking about it really. Right. About the same time, position came over within the, open within the company that was going to be a PHP and MySQL-based program uh, job. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. So I started to learn it. And I got PHP books and MySQL books, and I think I still have them here on my bookshelf, and started to learn PHP and MySQL and eventually created a new website using PHP and MySQL for a racquetball organization. And people liked it, and it was pretty cool. And so a lot of my off time, I was learning PHP and so on. And then at the same time at work, I was using uh, VB6 in Access mm-hmm. uh, and doing some, creating some tools for, for the job and so on. Right. So that was where I really got into programming and, and development and learning how to do it. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I want to do this more. Well, fortunately, I was, I was like an analyst and project manager, but I wanted to be doing the coding. <laughs> and right. there just weren't any positions that I could get into. I really didn't have the experience. And then through people I knew, I ended up, creating a website with another guy. It was an e-commerce site and we made it out of scratch, nothing, no CMS. This is 2004 for a a mountain bike shop. And I learned a lot after that and a lot doing that, a lot about PHP. And I realized I didn't want to write anything from scratch again. (laughs) 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 I had people asking, and this was, so 2004, Drupal first came out in 2003. That's, Uh where WordPress was, but that's when, you know, people were starting to put things together. So 2000 comes 2006 and I start looking around for a CMS to use and something that I can build on without having to create a user login system and and all that by myself. Right. And I started doing some evaluations and looking around and came across Drupal and Joomla and some other ones at the time. And I said, I'll hook, I'll think I'll throw one with Drupal. So I started playing around with Drupal and and built my own sites. And eventually, two, three years later, I worked myself into a Drupal development job with a, uh, a small shop uh, back in Maryland somewhere, or New Jersey, it was New Jersey. 
So I got to do full-time Drupal. I was really excited about that. A couple other guys that I worked with had left the company we were at to form their own company. And that company's still around doing a lot of Drupal, Drupal stuff. So uh-huh. at this point, I had seen JavaScript and I still have this huge red uh, rocks publishing book on JavaScript, basic JavaScript. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from and uh, but hadn't really delved into it, you know. And so for a while, you know, they say when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So for me, if I had a web project, Drupal was the way to do it, you know, pretty much because that was all I knew, <laughs> you know. I know how and, that is. Yeah, yeah, it's real funny how that is. And, you know, there's times where it was great and there was times where it was just overkill with everything you had to install for something simple. And then, so I've been doing that for a while and I've, it's really nice because I've been able to work from home here ever since 2009. Right. You know, which has its ups and downs, but the pros definitely outweigh the cons. And then about three, four years ago, um, I started hearing about Angular and how it was being used within Drupal. Mm. People were using it to integrate with Drupal. And the classic example in the Drupal community was weather.com. Had been done by a shop down in Texas. I think it was Media Current. And they did everything with Angular. They worked directly with Angular to Angular team on a stuff, a lot of improvements and things that Drupal needed. And, and so I started delving into Angular. And then at DrupalCon in Los Angeles, I happened, I was working on a little side project of mine, trying to do JavaScript. And I wanted to, it was something I tried in Drupal and it was just, just didn't work. And I ran into Travis from Formio, Travis and Randall Knudsen. Okay. Uh, at DrupalCon. And they were coming in. I had seen Travis the year before. And so I walked it introduced myself and said, hey, I'm looking to do this project. I know you've talked a lot about Angular. Do you have any suggestions? He said, yeah, Form.io would work great for this. And so I I showed him my notes and stuff. He said, oh, yeah, with our form builder, you could do this and this and this. And I was like, all right, that's great. So I came back and my employer at the time had an, a, uh, a membership with Pluralsight. And so I was going on Pluralsight and doing some Angular classes just to learn Angular and how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I took any of Joe Eames' classes, but I did take a number of other ones there right. on Angular and was sort of working on my project. And so I'd get to Angular and then I'd have some questions about Form.io. And so <laughs> this was sort of funny because Travis had uh, on their front site, they had a way that you could set up a 15-minute appointment if you had any questions about Form.io and how it could work for your problem, you know, just little blurs where Travis could maybe get you in the right direction. So I did it once and Travis got on and he helped me and, and I got stuck a few other times. So I kept using that and I finally had to send me an email and said, uh, this is really designed sort of for one time use and not to keep using over and over. <laughs> I said, okay, I get it. Sorry. I'll try to figure this out. So I kept working on this stuff and eventually one day Travis rang me up and he said, uh, so what are you doing? And I showed him and I had this whole app working with Form.io and custom controller was integrated with a calendar. And he said, yeah, it looks like you, you've learned a lot. He said, do you, do you want to come do some work for us? I said, all right. Yeah, I would love to do that. So that was about two years ago. And so that was an Angular JS project. At the time, they hadn't started doing the Vue and React. And I think it was pre-Angular 2 up to whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had a couple of projects, did a, one for a big manufacturing company that uh, saved them time from three days to three hours to do an estimate, you know, on a big project. So some really slick stuff. So, you know, that was how I really, really dove into Angular. And then over the past year, I started working with uh, Vue.js. 
and looking at view and reading it and working on side projects and so on. And so what I'm really trying to do is get my current employer to, to integrate that in and use it as a, sort of a front end for some, some projects that we have that would really save a lot of time and, and effort to do something like that instead of dealing with PHP and a lot of its caching issues that you have to deal with. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting just to see the the progression, right? I mean, when I was it was what two thousand six, I got into Ruby on Rails. And, you know, you talked about when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and yeah, that right. pretty much yeah, it was same thing, right? But it was interesting because yeah, you know, I got into jQuery, and then you know, I did some Backbone, and you know, just kind of progressed up the same way you did. And uh, you know, I don't know that I ever ran across like Form.io until. Uh, you know, we had Travis on the show, but, you know, it was the same kinds of things, you know, and I did a bit with Angular and I'm starting a new project with Vue. People can go check out. And uh, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot going on there and it's just been interesting to to see how this has all progressed. And, you know, if you've been in this industry for more than 10 years, you've kind of come through that same process. I'm curious, well, at what point did you decide that you... I don't know. You mentioned that you got into JavaScript working with Drupal. And I'm just curious, you know, at what point did you say, you know what, JavaScript is is more the focus for some of these problems than, than Drupal or PHP? Just because you could do things a lot more lightweight fashion. You mm-hmm. know, if I want to set up a Drupal site, you know, I have an account, for instance, on, I think it's HostMonster, you know, that I've had ever since I first got into Drupal. And so every time I want to spin up a little site, you know, I got to go set up get on there and, and set up my web route and upload all my right. files and, you know, all that stuff just for little brochureware sites. When I started looking at Angular and, and now Vue, I'm thinking of how many things I could have done that, you know, would have been so much more lighter weight and uh, easy to, to do. And the, the, the thing that was probably the biggest that I started to see that you couldn't do in Drupal with jQuery very easy was just your whole dynamic Mm-hmm. Uh, aspects that you can make in your page show this hide this you know do this show this on this condition and stuff whereas you know with drupal and jquery you know drupal was probably one of the think i think the first big projects to incorporate jquery it came out in version five i remember and it was a big deal and but then you've got to deal with okay now i got to get my data just right from php and then when the page loads then i can start to manipulate it with jquery and granted, right. there's there's Ajax capabilities and certain things like that, but it was just it was just so much work to be able to do something simple on the front end. Whereas if you have complete control over what you're doing with a with a JavaScript framework, then it is just much more easier. And and like I said, the other big thing is you know PHP is so resource heavy and mm-hmm. um, you know requires a lot of caching and cache servers and and that kind of thing. So. You know, I, I redid not my site in view using Butter CMS as a backend and just uploaded my JavaScript files to my server for now and it runs. <laughs> and it's great. You know, I don't have to worry with the database and all the backend stuff. Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what what have you done with JavaScript that you're particularly proud of? I mean, you've kind of talked through some of the things that you did for work, 
but does anything stand out as particularly hard or interesting or fun that you just really uh, got into while you were coming up through this process? Recently, a blog post came out on Medium somewhere and it showed what it looks like, all the different projects for a developer, all their little side projects. And you see like this little town with this half-built building here and this half-built building there and another half-built building, <laughs> all the side projects that they start up yeah. and never finish. That's me. I have probably five or six great projects that I want to get to <laughs> that I haven't been able to get to. I think the biggest thing I've seen, for instance, was the, the one Form.io application that was done for this heavy manufacturing company where they would tell me that, you know, they had this whole estimation thing that would take them three days and the Excel spreadsheets were crazy. It was just nuts looking at all the different tabs and pages and formulas and all that kind of stuff that they had to use to estimate how much, just estimate the materials and time it would take to do this, this creation of this uh, product. <laughs> and with what I did, I was able to take this really, really complex XML file, push a button and import it and boom, it filled in everything for them, hours, materials, all broken down nice and neat. They can go to the end, fill in a few fields, hit export, and there's their, their bill of materials that they can that they can export and take out and get filled. So for me, I mean, that's literally thousands of dollars that they're saving. So, if, you know, that's the, the fun stuff is when you can do something like that and do it so fast and so easy. Um, well, okay, the amount of work that went into it was not easy, but for the right. end user, it's easy. Yeah, they can, you know, they can do some stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. What are you working on now? So I'm working on some enhancements uh, to that application. I'm throwing together uh, a thing for uh, my company, Fluke. Um, we have a really cool setup with our new main sites in that it, it has a three-legged system in that we have all the background data in two different sites. One is for strict content. You know, this is a product information. Another one for digital assets. Mm-hmm. you know, documents and images and, and any other kind of file. All of that is indexed into Apache Solar. Mm-hmm. And then the front end, which right now is Drupal, just pulls from Apache Solar. And so I've been working on a demo that just uses Vue to pull strictly from Solar. Oh, interesting. But I, huh? It's so fast. It's so amazingly fast. Um, and so I'm trying to enhance that and, you know, come back and so I can come back and show, Hey, look, this would really save us a lot of time and it would be a lot faster too. Uh-huh. Uh, the other thing I'm working on is that it's sort of been in the background for a couple of years now is, uh, we have a scheduling website that we use for shifts at the fire department that I belong to. Right. And it's so old and decrepit. I think it's held by together by string and glue and band-aids. It's, I mean, it's like, mm-hmm it's got to be 2000s era type stuff. And anytime it goes down, it's just a major headache. Right. And so uh, I've been trying to work with uh, a view bootstrap calendar library that's out there that gives you a calendar and integrate. So I can just totally take over the day cell, the content of a cell and then put my own stuff in there. I got to work with the, I need to submit a pull request to the author to hand, put in a couple slot capabilities inside of there. And then I can just fill in what I need to fill in. But that would be really nice and, and it would be efficient because it would save a lot of time that I always have dealing with errors from the very, very old application. But it would just give us some more, uh, allow us to give us some more uh, fine-grained control over who can do what. Because right now, anybody can go in and do anything. And the only way they know who did it is to go look at logs 
who changed this? Oh, they shouldn't have done this. We better change it back. Right. <laughs> as, as compared to limiting access to a specific function based on, you know, a role or, or whatever. Right. And that's where, that was what I first started working on form IO stuff with. Cool. So anyway, yeah, Mike, I would like to get into to more and more, uh, you know, JavaScript, you know, as part of a full-time gig. I guess yeah. the one thing that, that I like about my story, you know, and, and you hear this from a lot of other people too, whether it's open source maintainers is that, you know, you do your, a lot of stuff like this you do in your spare time, you know, evenings right. and working on this. And that was how I got into Drupal. I spent multiple years uh, working up late, working on projects for people, learning stuff, just playing with modules and doing my own modules. And I put out a couple little demo modules, you know, on Drupal.org. Yep. Eventually I got good enough that I could go to somebody and say, hey, you know, this is in 2009. Hey, I know you got a position open. This is what I can do. And that got me in the door. But it's just, you know, the outside time and, and the working at it and getting better at it that eventually opens the door for the, for the jobs. Yep, absolutely. It's, it's funny. I have, I've been working on this uh, book and course on finding a job. And it, it's mainly because I get asked all the time, you know, how, how do I get into programming? And, or how do I get a job, uh, you know, in programming? So I've been doing boot camps or, you know, learning it on my own. And yeah, they're like, well, you know, I keep getting told I need to level up. And I'm like, well, the only way to do that is to practice. Right. And so, you know, you, you have to get in and put in the time and that's the nights and weekends and things like that. And it's really funny because you go look at some of these open source folks that people all know, and that's what they do. And that's the time they're putting in is the time they're working on that open source project. Right. And, you know, the best, the best learning is, uh, I saw this mentioned in a, a blog post somewhere, I read lots of blogs and listen to lots of podcasts and, you know, find a project that you like, something you want to do, not just, you know, some demo project you found in a lesson somewhere, yeah. what's something that you want to tackle and how can you get it, get, get it done using your selected tool. So, I mean, that's been my experience in, in really learning how to do something is, you know, get through all the issues that you run into, a lot of stack overflow, a lot of, you know, Slack questions uh, and so on. So in Portland, we just actually started a new view meetup. I think we had our second meeting last month and there's going to be another one this month. And we've got some people who do view like on a regular basis. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we have a Slack, you know, room for view PDX where we can, everybody's really cool about helping each other. And so I'm really looking forward to that. That was how I got into Drupal a lot was our monthly meetups here. And so personal experiences, that's been a great way to get to know people who can help you. And then how you can help people down the road once you learn it. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, again, you know, we're talking about leveling up and people want to level up for different reasons. But uh, yeah, it's the, the best way is just to get to know people. And if you're looking for a job, it's funny, I, I put that in the first chapter, you know, one of the three things to supercharge your career. And one of them is find a user's group. And it's for those reasons. And so, you know, whether you're trying to level up, whether you're trying to get better, whether you're trying to learn new things, you know, whether you're trying to get a job, I mean, getting to know people and having the conversations mm -hmm. will shape your thinking and then the practice will cement it. Yeah, the, the networking too. I mean, my current job, I got, had got laid off from my previous position, just financial issues. I was like the third round of layoffs in a year yeah. that were really having some issues. And the only way I even knew about this one is because the guy who hired me was, had been a former coworker of mine uh, when I first started learning Drupal. Mm -hmm. and he was a big Drupal guy too. And we'd kept in contact over the years. And I happened to send him a text that said, hey, I'm in the market again. And he texted me back and said, hey, guess what? We got an opening. 
Yeah. You know, and so interviewed and went through their process and, you know, got the position. Yeah, the last full-time job that I had and a number of contracts since then, honestly, before I finally went full-time on the podcasts, it was, you know, I wasn't happy where I was at. And so I just went around, you know, and talked to people. Hey, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of done with this place, you know, what's out there. And yeah, that, that's the way it would work out. And most of those folks are people I met through the users group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your connections are probably one of your best resources. Yep. So, uh, so you have any recommendations then for people who are just starting their career? You know, it's really one of the things that I found really great and, and sometimes overwhelming is the amount of courses that are out there to teach you, you know, different tracks. You know, anything from uh, Quincy Larson and Free Code Camp. You know, I hear lots of great things about him and I've heard him interviewed a few times and I've actually looked into that and all the people that are willing to help and all the great coursework that's out there. You know, things like Node School and uh, Pluralsight, yep. Code Academy, you know, all those different things. There's people that, you know, put in hours to put together really great coursework. One of my favorites that I've gotten into is uh, Udemy. And in the view space, there's a guy named Maximilian Schwarzmuller. Mm-hmm. And he's really good. I found, you know, courses, different courses will have different, you'll have different experiences. I look for somebody who does a really good job at explaining every step, you know, as you go along and don't just jump ahead and, you know, wait, where did that come from? And he's really, I've, I've gotten two of his courses. One I'm going through right now is on Next. Uh-huh. Uh, Vue.js with Next. And it's, it's amazing how much content. And then another one, just the Vue, you know, developers general course that I haven't gotten into yet. But, you know, if you, if you look and wait, you can get these courses for cheap. I got them for like 10 bucks, you know, when they went on sale, Udemy was having <laughs> Labor Day sale. I got two of them for like 25 bucks between the two of them, these hours long courses, yep. videos and, and stuff. And speaking for me personally and how I learned, they've been really, really good at helping me understand things because Maximilian himself does a really good job of explaining things. And so I've really liked him. But just, I would say there's there's stuff you can pay for if you want, but there's a lot of really good free and, and inexpensive yep. courses too. It's just a matter of knowing who you like and, and where to look and finding, you know, the ones that target what you're trying to learn. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I play the same game with Udemy. I wait till it goes on sale for 10 bucks and then I'll buy it. Yep. And I think I did that with the React course. I think it did it with Max's course for Vue. And uh, yeah, we've had Max on a couple of the shows. And yeah, it, you know, however you learn it. And that's the other thing. I think eventually I'm going to do a course on just staying caught up. And I've got some other projects in the works that I've talked about on the shows that I've also got to that effect. But, you know, figure out what works for you. I mean, some people, they want to work through a book that has a tutorial in it. And some people, that's just not the way. And, you know, they want to go watch a video. You know, for me, I'll go watch half of the video course and then I'll get frustrated and give up on the course. But it's gotten me enough of background to where I can go and I can kind of figure it out on my own. I'll go bang my head on the wall for a while because that's the way I do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, there, there are so many ways to learn. You just go out and do it. Go figure out what you want to learn, you know, what's going to get you where you want to go, and then go do it. Right. And there's, it seems like there's, at least from what I'm seeing in the job market, or at least now with the economy, there's lots of developer jobs. There's lots of people that need developers. If you can get your foot in the door, even as a junior guy, you're going to learn so much more on the job doing real life stuff than even going through the best courses, just because, you know, the necessity and you're doing it every day for, you know, full time, that's where you're going to get the best experience. So, 
you know, you don't have to take coursework to become an expert. You have to, you know, you want to take coursework to get you that you're good enough that you can do something and people recognize it. And then, you know, you can turn that into, into something full time. Yep. Absolutely. Where, where do people find you online? If they want to follow your stuff. Don't have a lot out there. I go by Wonder ninety five everywhere. Everybody always asks me where that comes from. If if your name's Steve and you grew up in the late seventies and early eighties, you were called <laughs> Steve Wonder at some point in your life. And so uh, ninety five was the year I somebody else had that in some form, and so I just added ninety five onto the end because that was when I started using it. <laughs> but yeah, Twitter on uh, GitHub on wherever. So that's where I'm Wonder ninety five. Awesome. Do you uh, do you have some picks for us? Deploy more, pay less with DigitalOcean, the simplest all-in-one cloud computing platform for developers. Scale and run cloud applications faster and more efficiently with effortless administration tools to robust compute, flexible configurations, networking services, real-time alerts, and rapid provisioning while enjoying industry-leading price to performance with a flat pricing structure across all global data center regions at any usage volume. Spend more time building better web apps and less time worrying about managing infrastructure with DigitalOcean. Build your next app on DigitalOcean. Get started with a free $100 credit at do.co slash jabber. Uh, yeah, sorry, excuse my phone there. Um, I'll go with the book route. Uh, there's a historian that I really like to read, um, and I've read a number of his books, and he's really good. His name's Rodney Stark, and his history books can be huge, but they're really uh-huh. great. And he focuses on the history of Christianity and how it's played into different aspects aspects of life. My favorite book is a book called The Victory of Reason that talks about the rise of Western Europe in the first century and beyond and, and its ties uh-huh. to Christianity and so on. Really, really great author that I like I like to read. It's it can be sort of dry, but if you're into the history and, and what he's talking about, he's really he's really a good read, really uh, educational. Unfortunately, I'm not much of a a gamer. I don't have time usually doing development work. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the other thing I'd talk about that I got into about a year ago is I've always been really athletic. I was a tournament racquetball player for a long time, but I got into CrossFit about a year and a half ago, uh-huh. May of last year. And I really, really like it. It's for me, it's really great because it's so hard. It's so intense. And I really gained a lot from it just in physically in terms of strength, strength and endurance. And if I, I feel ripped off, if I don't collapse on the floor at the end of my workout before I walk out the door, just because of, of how hard it is. Yeah, it makes sense. I've heard a lot of people, or I, I know a fair number of people that are way into CrossFit. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, CrossFit, uh, was it Nationals or World CrossFit Champions? CrossFit Games just happened in Wisconsin two or three weeks ago, which is like the culmination of, you know, for the entire world. Uh-huh who can be the quote unquote most fit. And so, yeah, it's, wow. it's a little more fun to watch when you're doing it and you know how hard it is to do what, what they're doing <laughs> in those competitions. You know, somebody who's not doing that might think, oh, that's not too hard. Yeah, go out and try to do it. And then you, you really appreciate it that much more. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've just been getting back into running and things like that. I've been enjoying that quite a bit. But yeah, some of the things I see done at the CrossFit gyms. I'm just like, that's nuts. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. I, I'm generally doing what's called the scales workout, scaled down workout, you know, not the full on uh-huh. workout. <laughs> a few things I'll do uh, RX once in a while, but, but not too many. Right. I, in terms of running, I've tried running before and I always tell people that 
I can't run because I leave holes in the pavement because I'm so heavy footed. <laughs> you ever see those stickers that people have marathon runners have on their car, you know, 26.2 or 13. Yeah. I have one that says 0. 0.0. I don't run on, on my car. That's, <laughs> nice. That's the truth for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Let's see. I have a few picks. So one pick that I have, this is something that I've been listening to on audible since you were picking books. Uh, this is more of a business book. It's uh, Launch by Jeff Walker. He's the author of the Product Launch Formula, which I guess is a an online system for doing launches. And since I'm writing a book, I was interested in that. So I picked up the book. I have a paper copy of the book too. So I'm probably going to be thumbing through that, you know, because it has a lot of examples and things like that. So if you're looking at doing some kind of launch uh, like I am, uh, definitely check that out. Now, a couple of these launches, one of them is... You know, I mentioned Code Badge, I think, earlier or in another episode today. It's all been a blur. <laughs> you're, you're my third podcast interview today, and I have one more after this. So Code Badge is something I'm just on a Kickstarter at this point, but I've also got the book and course for how to get a job. It's getacoderjob.com if you're looking for that. And uh, then I've also got, I've been working on a system to help me manage the podcast content. And, uh, you know, scheduling and promotion and letting guests know when things come out and things like that, which means that within the next week or two, you'll probably get an email from that system saying, hey, your episode's scheduled to be released. Here's when it's going to go out and, you know, you know, other stuff. But um, yeah, you know, so I, I eventually want to launch that to the podcasting community. Yeah, that, I mean, in, in years past, I actually, I don't know if you know who Aquia is there. You know, a Drupal shop, they were founded by Dries Boitart, the guy who wrote Drupal from the beginning. And they had a podcast and a few years ago, I took it over for a short term because the guy who had been doing it had dropped it. And I thought, oh, this will be fun. And it's a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is. Putting it together and getting, you know, who you're going to interview and then recording and getting all the files together and making them sound good and posting it. And, and uh, for as many as you do, I can only imagine how badly you need a tool like that. Yep. So then, yeah, the, the idea is, is there are a few things that are either hard to automate or not automatable. So for example, somebody has to look at recommendations and make a judgment call. If that's somebody you want to invite onto the show, you know, getting the scheduling and coordinating that is something that I definitely want to automate. And, you know, and then reminding them to make sure that they're prepped and ready to go, uh, make sure that they have instructions as far as how to, you know, connect and how to be prepared and all that stuff. That's all automatable. Setting up the recording in Zoom, that that Zoom has an API, so I can automate that. And then I'm looking at their API to see if I can find some way of connecting. Okay, this recording happened about, because I just do the recording on Zoom. So this recording happened about when it was scheduled to. So, you know, go download the, that thing. And anyway, so, you know, a lot of these processes. So then it's just a matter of, the editor has to download the file and do the editing manually and the show notes have to be written manually. But then all of the promotion afterward, here's your episode, you know, here, here, let me send you some stickers or anything like that. If I wind up doing that, which I really want to, I just haven't been able to do it in the past, but you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, it just gathers all that information and goes and does whatever it has to do to make that all happen. It'd be really, really great. And yeah. So then I just have somebody spend a couple hours a week, uh, managing all of my stuff. And then maybe I can expand that. I've had a few other people basically say, if you get that system together, I'll just pay you to have somebody manage my stuff too, right? So then they can just come in and say, I want this guest or I need I need an episode on this topic. And, you know, we can go out and find the guests and line all that stuff up. And 
I mean, that, that'll be the majority of the work and the rest of it will all just be automated out through the system. So yeah, that sounds like a great tool. Yeah. So that's the plan there. And I'm building that in Rails right now. And I think I'm going to use Vue on the front end is where I'm heading with that. So right now it's just all server rendered with Rails. But I'm starting to get to the point where I, you know, I want some widgets. I want some graphs. Kendo UI is a sponsor. And so, I, you know, I kind of want to show people how I'm doing that in Vue or React. And uh, yeah, so just dig, digging into stuff like that. So uh, anyway, that, that's a long-winded pick for launch <laughs> by Jeff Walker. But yeah, I've been, been really enjoying that. And then another TV show that my wife and I have been watching lately is The Librarians. Yeah, my wife really likes that show. Yeah. It was actually filmed here. I can't remember if all of it or part of it was filmed here in Portland. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, apparently they're still making it unless the season that's on... Hulu right now we watch it on Hulu unless yeah anyway so unless unless that's the last season I never know <laughs> if a new season pops up we watch it right so, yeah but yeah, you see newspaper stories about how they're filming librarians and you'll see the actors walking around or you know filming different scenes and stuff that makes sense yeah and I guess one last pick that I have I just found out that um, so I went to BYU Brigham Young University it's here in Utah and uh I was thinking the other day that, gee, I'd like to start watching the football games again. But we canceled cable a couple of years ago and we really haven't looked back. And so I was like, I wonder if we, you know, if it comes with our package on Sling. And it turns out, yep, sure does. So uh, BYU games are on ESPN. And so I just uh, loaded up the ESPN channel and we watched the football game on Saturday. So I'm going to pick Sling as well. Sling TV. Do you get a lot of uh, sports channels on Sling? Because that's the one thing that keeps me from cutting the cord is all the live sports I like to watch. Uh, we get ESPN, ESPN2, and I think we get one or two other sports channels. Um, I think we have Fox Sports, if I remember right. We don't get the Fox Soccer Channel, which drives me crazy. I really wish. Anyway, there you go. There are my druthers, right? I wish I, wish I could get that. I was also super busy during World Cup, so I missed that, and that's been sad. And I haven't been able to go back and rewatch that. So, yeah, if anyone knows where I can watch that, that would be cool. Mm -hmm. um, I also have uh, ExpressVPN, so if I can stream them from England, I'm, I'm okay doing that too. But, yeah, anyway, so uh, Sling TV's been pretty great, though. So, all right, well, thank you for coming. Uh, I have another call in two minutes, so I got to jump off. But uh, this has been a terrific episode, and hopefully some people get some inspiration from our call. Yeah, thanks. It's been my pleasure. I've really been looking forward to it. All right. Well, we'll stay in touch, and we'll catch everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.